We've got to be thankful people. The reason the children of Israel were unable to be taken in is because they were not thankful for being brought out. So we're going to examine these four cups now. Are you ready? I'm not going to go through the whole thing that's in the book, but I'll give you a little bit of it so you can get the revelation when we partake tonight of exactly what's happening in your life. Cup number one is the cup of consecration. God says, I will bring you out. I dare you right now. Type in there, I'm coming out. Don't even put a G on the end of it. You say, I'm coming out when you're not anointed. So when you're anointed, you just say, I'm coming out and I want the whole wide world to know it. Tell them you're coming out of bondage. You're coming out of lack. You're coming out of discouragement. You're coming out of bondage. You're coming out of addiction. You're coming out of depression in the name of Jesus. The apostle Paul said, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. let a man examine himself. I'm so glad he didn't leave it there, Dr. Lowe. I'm sure glad he didn't end the sentence right there. Let a man examine himself. Because if every one of us examine ourselves in the wrong way, we will be found wanting. So you have to continue the verse because you can't just read the Bible, you gotta read the Bible. So here it is. Let a man examine himself, comma, and so let him eat that bread and let him drink that cup. Because once you learn how to examine yourself, you will immediately hear the Spirit of God say, go ahead and receive the cup. Go ahead and receive the bread worthily. Now he didn't say God would examine us. He also did not say that we should examine one another. We are real good at examining somebody else's speck in the eye when we've got a beam in our own. And I'm gonna keep hammering away on this theme until we learn to walk in the godliness of forgiveness. He admonishes us to examine ourselves. That, that means that before we partake of the table of the Lord, we should examine ourselves. We should examine our motives. We should examine our thoughts. We should mostly examine our hearts. We should also examine our behavior. Maybe we should examine our attire. Maybe we should examine who we look to idolatrously rather than looking to God. We must see, as David said, reveal to me any hidden sin of my heart. And then he also said, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So we're not examining ourselves according to somebody else's rule book. We're not examining ourselves by the record that our spouse may be keeping about us. That'd be dangerous, wouldn't it? We're not examining ourselves against what the doctrine of so-and-so religious organization is. No, no, no. If we do that, 
we'll come up wanting. What we examine ourselves against is the word of the living God because we are not like those that behold ourselves in the mirror of the word and then we go away and we forget what manner of man we are. When I look in this book, I see that I am sinful, but I turn another page and I see that he made me righteous. I look on one page and say, I'm inconsistent. I'm not faithful. But then I look on another page and I see he was made to become faithfulness for me. So my faith is in his faithfulness. Do you understand? You examine yourself against the word of God. And when you do that, you can't ever come up wanting because Calvary <laughs> covers it all. But God wants us to go through the exercise of examining ourselves so that we learn to live a holy life, so that we learn to live according to the precepts, the concepts of his word. We gotta make sure there's nothing in our life before we take that bread and before we receive that cup, we have to make sure that we are cleansed, we are washed, we are Holy Ghost filled, we are water baptized, and we're right then with our God for all time. Why? Jesus, our Savior, is alive. So an honest appraisal, an inventory, if you will, of our spiritual house is not a bad thing, that's a good thing, especially if it's been a while since you've done it. Now it can be surprising how many uninvited thoughts, attitudes, inclinations, words can creep in and spill out and try to take up residence in some dimly lit corner sapping our power, sapping our vitality, compromising our effectiveness in God's kingdom. Of course, our examination, as I said, has to use the word of God as its only standard, not opinions of others, not your own opinions of yourself. The Bible and the Bible alone is our absolute rule of faith and conduct and anything other than that, simply not gonna stand up to the scrutiny that will be brought upon it in the light of God's truth. It's also vital that we make sure we're not eating and drinking unworthily. Paul makes reference to it, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 29. To do that means that we are not rightly discerning the Lord's body. Now hold on, he's not talking about the physical body of Jesus. He's saying, if we don't rightly discern our brother and our sister in the body of Christ, then we eat this bread and we drink this cup unworthily. And then he says, he that eats and drinks unworthily is going to be you know, exposed to the other place, not heaven, you understand. So we want to make sure that we rightly discern the body of the Lord. Now let's think about this. If this bread represents the body of the Lord, 
And uh, this part of it over here is someone you go to church with. And you say with your mouth, that person is the most hateful human I've ever been around. Do you know what you just did? You just contaminated the body that then at Holy Communion, you're going to come and partake of. What does that mean? That means every word you've said against somebody else, you yourself are going to ingest at the table of the Lord. And that's how your Bible says, that's how many are weak and sickly among you, eating and drinking damnation to themselves. Now I just gave you a word. Guard your mouth, guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. Are you with me? That kind of behavior will result in cursing, not blessing. One of the greatest barriers to our sanctification and also one of the greatest causes of difficulty in the church and among nations is an unwilling spirit that humans tend to have to forgive one another. Instead of wrongs being forgiven, oh, we nurse them. We pet them like some kind of little lap dog. We make sure that we make everybody aware of somebody else's failing. Did you forget they're in the body? Huh? We, we rehearse these things. Oh, oh, this used to be harder to do before the age of social media. Now, people do what they call, uh, I don't know, it's a private room or something, for my very best friends only, so that they can go in that part and talk about other people that they're sweet to on the other part. I didn't mean to be talking about you. I want you to remember you're in the body and every single thing that you do against a brother or sister is coming right back at you. So just remember that. And God said, so here, I'm going to give you holy communion so that as often as you didn't, as you do this, he didn't say as uh, every now and then as you do this, every once a year as you do this, this is why I do it every day. God, if there's anything in my heart, if I've said a word against anybody else, God, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, I repent so I can eat that bread and I can drink that cup worthily. Wow. Mark chapter 11 says this, when you stand praying, forgive 
if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive your sins also. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive you your sins. And your Bible adds to that, if we say we have no sin, we lie. Now that's a sobering thought, a sobering reminder that forgiveness is not a luxury. Here it is, forgiveness is a command. It is not flexible, it is not optional. And I can tell you when you're unforgiving, you are unforgiving when you say, well, I forgive them, but uh, it's gonna take some time. Have you ever heard that? I, I bet you I've heard, if I had a nickel for every time I, I've heard that, Dr. Lowe, I'd be as wealthy as you. I just have a lot of money. And, and, and I've heard it over and over and over. And I say to them, how long did it take Jesus to forgive you? You can't even say 60 seconds because Jesus forgave you before you sinned. In his heart, he already forgave you, gave his life for you, and all he's waiting on is for you to receive it. God Almighty has forgiven us of every one of our sins as a result of his sacrifice on Calvary's cross. It's a sure sign of selfishness and contempt for God's abundant grace when we fail to forgive someone else. Number two, the cup of deliverance. God said, I will free you. I wish somebody would shout Emmanuel in the Philippines, Pele in Australia, Shirley Lynn in Uganda, Judith in Costa Rica. We love you. Come on, keep telling me where you're from. Tell me what you're thankful for. On the most holy day of the entire Jewish year, the day, the great, great day of atonement, the high priest of God had some very, very strictly prescribed responsibilities. It fell to him to make atonement, not only for himself, but for the sins of the entire nation of Israel. Can you imagine? After, after a lot of very, very painstaking, careful preparation, he was then commissioned to go into the Holy of Holies. Now you better hold on right there. <laughs> to enter in to the Holy of Holies. They had to tie a rope around his leg. It was interspersed around his robe, pomegranates and bells. That represents, of course, fruit and gifts wrapping around that high priest. And if they didn't hear those bells for a while, they would know that the holy presence of God had consumed him. And he had that rope so they could pull him out of the holy of holies. Do you understand that by the blood of Jesus Christ, we who were outside the veil have been welcomed 
into the presence of God. Don't take your praise lightly. Don't take lightly that you are in the presence of God. That one time a year, the blood of the sacrifice that he carried had to be sprinkled seven times. It's no coincidence then that before and throughout the Via Dolorosa and on the cross and in Gethsemane, the Lord Jesus spilled his blood seven different times. Our great high priest shed that precious blood seven times during those events of the crucifixion. And every place where his blood was spilled speaks to you and me of an aspect of the perfect redemptive rights that he's given to everyone who puts their faith and trust in him. Now I'm gonna go through these just one after the other. They're all in the book. I'm gonna get you the book, but I need to just move straight through these. Number one, he shed his blood in the garden to align his will with God's. And by so doing, he gave you back your willpower. Are you with me? Secondly, secondly, he shed his blood at the scourging post, at the flagging post. It was there that he took the stripes on his body that, that, that purchased your healing and divine health. Isaiah spoke of it, the prince of prophets. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him and with and by his stripes we are healed. Number three, he shed his blood from those wounds in his hands. That produced righteousness for you and me. Number four, he suffered bleeding from his feet. Your Bible says, whithersoever the sole of your foot shall touch, I will give you dominion over everything there. So through those wounds, the blood that we'll receive tonight, he purchased your dominion authority. So shout, I'm strong and I am not weak. I'm mighty, I'm bold, I'm strengthened by the Spirit of God. Number five, fulfillment. Because of the blood that flowed from his riven side, abandonment became acceptance. Number six, Isaiah 53, five, he was bruised for your iniquities. That speaks to the wholeness of your soul, your mind, your emotions, that every curse that has dogged your tracks for generations has been broken by his brokenness. Number seven, finally, Jesus bled from his blessed brow as that crown of thorns was thrust in and blood began to trickle down his face. Here's why. The sweat of one's brow, according to the book of Genesis, indicates work, it indicates labor from which we, we receive our living, our money. 
the blood shed from those wounds redeemed your work. It redeemed the work of your hands. It redeemed the work of your mind. It redeemed you financially from living in lack. When you receive the cup tonight, you know this, Jesus through his blood broke the power of poverty off of you forever. Now the third cup, redemption. He said, I will redeem you. During that Passover meal that Jesus shared with his disciples, this cup generally attracts most all of the attention. According to tradition, it was this third cup that Jesus was actually holding when he said, according to Luke 22, 20, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you, according to the Mishnah, the written record of the oral law, traditionally held to have been given to Moses directly from God. The Passover wine was red and it was to be mixed, hear me, with warm water. Rabbis and sages of the Jewish faith maintain that this mixture of wine and warm water produced a much more accurate representation of the blood of the Passover lamb. It's reminiscent of the blood and the water that came from the riven side of Jesus. You remember your Bible said, forthwith came blood and water, some to the forward part, some to the hinder part, after that Roman centurion thrust that Roman spear to confirm the death of our Lord on that cross. According to John 19, 34, the Passover involved a double miracle. Now, I wish I, I wasn't teaching right here. I wish I could just cut loose and preach. A double miracle. Immediately during the Passover, the children of Israel received their protection from the plague of death. Can I tell you, you're not going to die before your time. I speak, and when I receive this table of the Lord tonight, I'm receiving it for my, my friend, Lee Rutherford. I, I just have him on my heart right now. Tiz Huck, Pastor Larry Huck's lovely wife. Cindy Arthur, you're on my heart right now. So many others now that I've opened up, they're just flooding my heart. I want you to understand this blood, this broken body makes the death angel pass by. As long as the blood was applied to their door, the lintel of their door, the doorpost, they remained inside. They were perfectly safe. I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. So let the dark clouds rise. Let the storm clouds rise. They don't worry me. 
for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. I'm redeemed from the power of death. I will not, cannot, must not die before my time. A man's days are in the hands of the Lord. We've been restored from a life of hopelessness, of futility. We've been reconciled to God. The power of the third cup reverberates down through the ages and meets with us this very night. Now, number four, the fourth cup, the cup of praise. God said, I will take you to myself for a people. Can you imagine? Now, here's the thing. Jesus picked up that third cup, that cup of redemption. But he did not touch the fourth cup. That's when sometime after the third cup was shared at the triclinium that night, they left that room and made their way to a garden called Gethsemane, which was where Jesus was apprehended. He's anticipating right now a time, a time of glorious celebration. Think of this. And he is not content to keep the cup of praise, to drink it until every one of us that have named his name throughout the eternal ages are gathered together. And at one time, that cup will touch his lips again when you and I are right there with him. Even though King Jesus ate with his disciples in those 40 days after his resurrection when he appeared to them, he never again drank from the cup of praise. He reserved it for a special occasion of commemoration in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Look, not only am I looking forward to it, not only are we all looking forward to a time of happy reunion day, the Lord Jesus himself right now is anticipating. He's just as eager to be reunited with his church as we are to be in his holy presence. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When he takes me by the hand and he leads me through the promised land. What a day, what a glorious day that will be. When the cup of praise is finally lifted, I believe there'll be a sound of praise that will penetrate the atmosphere such as heaven above and earth beneath have never ever heard before. So that cup is reserved. Now if you would, take your elements. 
Your Bible says in the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he gave it. God always blesses you and then he breaks you so that he can give you on a whole new level. Father, tonight we examine ourselves and we say, oh God, if there be any wicked way hidden in the inward recesses of our heart or in the outward sin, oh God, we repent of it now. We confess your righteousness that you have redeemed us by your broken body and your shed blood. We believe that we are washed, cleansed, sanctified, we belong to you, Lord. And we ask you now that there's healing in the children's bread. May we be healed and made whole, spirit, soul, and body as together in agreement we forgive and we receive because we have been forgiven. Would you partake of the bread of the Lord right now, that broken body? Oh Lord, we worship you. We worship you. Holy communion is a symbol that for the first time since he shed his precious blood on Calvary, we once again mingled the body with the blood. The life is in the blood. By his blood you are saved. By his blood you are redeemed. By his blood you are cleansed. By his blood you are forgiven. And that blood that Jesus shed for me way back at Calvary has never lost its mighty power. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives us strength from day to day has never ever never, ever, ever lost its power. Would you receive the cup of the Lord now and let the first words out of your mouth be hallelujah to the Lamb of God who has taken away my sins and the sins of the world. To him be honor and glory forever and forever, world without end. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I wanna invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. 
no easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.